This week's word comes from Psalm 51, verses 1 through 12, and Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Our brokenness is our making. When we name the scarred and wounded places in our lives, we find that we are not alone. We are all connected in this way. Pastor Brooke's sermon, The Repair Shop, invites our souls to find rest, healing, and repair in the sanctuary of love that is God. In the opening music, you hear lines of the old hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. I find that the words wash over me like a healing stream. O oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I am drawn anew. Let that grace now, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to you. Prone to wander, I can feel it. Wander from the love I've known. Here's my heart, O oh, take and seal it. Seal it for your very own. We find these words refreshed and made new in the New Century Hymnal. Thank you for joining us for our weekly walk together. Have mercy on me, O gracious one, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant kindness, forgive me where my thoughts and deeds have hurt others. Lead me in the paths of justice. Guide my steps on paths of peace. Teach me that I may know my weaknesses, the shortcomings that bind me, the unloving ways that separate me, that keep me from recognizing your life in me. For I keep company with fear and dwell in the house of ignorance. Yet I was brought forth in love, and love is my birthright. You have placed your truth in the inner being. Therefore, teach me the wisdom of the heart. Forgive all that binds me in fear, that I might radiate love. Cleanse me, that your light might shine in me. Fill me with gladness. Help me to transform weakness into strength. Look not on my past mistakes, but on the aspirations of my heart. Create in me a clean heart, O gracious one, and put a new and right spirit within me. Enfold me in the arms of love and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Restore in me the joy of your saving grace and encourage me with a new spirit. Then I will teach others your ways and prisoners of fear will return to you. Deliver me from the addictions of society. O healer of souls, keep me from temptation, that I may tell of your justice and mercy. O gracious one, open my lips, and my mouth shall sing forth your praise. For you do not want sacrifice. You delight in our friendship with you. A sacrifice most appropriate is a humble spirit, a repentant and contrite heart. O merciful one, receive our gratitude and love. Let the nations turn from war and encourage one another as good neighbors. O blessed and compassionate friend, melt our hearts of stone. Break through the fears that lead us into darkness and guide our steps toward the way of peace.
So imagine this. You have this 200-year-old painting up in your attic. It's been there a while. You go up there to show it to a relative, and you notice, or your relative does actually, it's actually been a while since you've been up in that attic to look at it, and your relative notices that there's a big hole in this family portrait, right on the lips of the woman in the portrait. And it is only then that you begin to realize how important this portrait is to you and your family. And upon investigation, your son, now 20 years old, admits to playing darts up in the attic when he was maybe 10 years old. He was doing some target practice and threw a dart at the painting, and sure enough, the dart went right through it. He told his mother right away, and she told everyone in the family, just keep it quiet. Maybe Dad won't notice. And to her astonishment, you didn't find out about it for like 10 years. Now what do you do? Well, first, you might do some research, right? And you find out that this is an important part of your family's history. It's a portrait of your great, great, great grandmother. And it's over 200 years old. The husband used to be the doctor to royalty. It's got such an incredible story to it. Instead, then, of throwing it out, which, to be honest, you were kind of thinking about doing a while back, you now must, must see if you can repair it. Enter the show, The Repair Shop. Have you ever seen this show? Cindy, my wife, is a mechanic at heart, absolutely loves this show, and we love to sit down and watch it. And this was one of the episodes where they actually fixed it. They amazing job of fixing that hole that was right in the lips. Where have all these repair shops gone? Do you remember those? There's still a few around. Downtown Woodenville, for instance, has a shoe repair shop. Really good one, by the way. Uh, they repaired a pair of my Keens for only $17. And I took my son Sam's leather bag to them, and they put in a new zipper. And he loved it for a Christmas present. Did you know there were still places like this? Actually, there aren't very many of them. We don't, after all, believe in repairing things anymore, do we? Much easier to throw it away and buy a new one. Think about it for a minute. How many appliances, how many pairs of shoes, how many socks, how many clocks, how many music boxes, how many children's toys have you thrown out in the last year? My sister called me up the other day and she said she had a pair of socks that she has had for 20 years. None of us can say that, can we? It's just easier, right, to throw it out, discard it. It's just not worth the trouble. The problem with a throwaway society, though, the problem with a society that sees things as dispensable is that pretty soon that throwaway mentality starts to bleed in the way we look at each other. We start asking ourselves, what are they going to do with me when I'm no longer useful, when I no longer fulfill a purpose? Our humanity is no longer given meaning for just being. We're only meaningful if we fulfill a purpose. And so when we're 95 and in a care center, how can we not feel like we've been discarded. I visited someone in the nursing home just recently in a care center. She's 95, and this is exactly the way she felt. She felt like she was thrown away, locked up. And so when we lose our job due to downsizing, how can we not feel like junk? And so when we 
go through a divorce and come to a church where family is the major purpose, how can we not feel like we're huge losers and have a loser sign on our forehead? And so when we retire, no wonder we get into a depression a year later because we just don't have purpose. And so when we are broken, when we struggle with a mental depression, or God forgive, have moments when we contemplate ending it all. When we're bruised and broken, what do we do in this throwaway society? Well, I know what we do. We hide it. We stuff it. Heavens no, we don't reveal it. Because we're afraid this world will do to us what it does to everything else that isn't useful. Throw us away. Refuse to listen to us. In the end, cancel us out into the shadows. Where is the soul repair shop today? Well, interesting. Repair shops are actually making a comeback. Did you know that? Not in the same form. But have any of you ever heard of a repair cafe movement? It's pretty cool, really. In fact, I think we should think about doing something like this at Bear Creek. Here's an advertisement for one that was in the Capitol Hill area a couple of years ago. We're having a repair cafe. Bring your broken household items, such as clothing, electronics, jewelry, small home appliances, or tools, knives that need sharpening, to the Capitol Hill Tool Library, and our team of volunteer fixers will try to repair them or help you mend them. This is free. It's a free community event, it's a great way to keep stuff out of the landfill, conserve resources, and save money, as well as chat with your neighbors over snacks. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a fun thing to go to? A fun place to go to and meet with a group of people or going to help you learn how to fix things? A food for the soul, so to speak, for toaster ovens. <laughs> well, believe it or not, churches for years have been designed to be that the soul fix-it place. Places where people have gone to get put right again, to connect again to the power of a redeeming story. Places that give us hope and begin to help us heal. Today, we read the beginning of one of these redemptive stories. A story that begins with every story of redemption starts with an admission of the truth. Isn't that hard to do? It seems, you see, that King David, just like us, was guilty of throwing some of the most important parts of his soul away. He threw away the laws and the virtues that centered him in the sacred. He stopped listening to the holy scriptures of his people. He threw away the sanctity of marriage by giving way to lust and power, by taking and forcing himself upon Bathsheba. He threw away his self-respect. He threw away Bathsheba's honor and reputation. He threw away a man's life, Bathsheba's husband, Uriah. But worst of all, he had recklessly thrown away and abandoned the person God called him to be. The person ancient Samuel, the prophet, had anointed when David was but a lad tending sheep and writing poems and singing songs with his lyre. King David was indeed a broken man. But what is so incredible about this story is that David did not hide from it. When confronted with the truth, he knew God's grace enough. He knew the character of the sacred enough to know that if he would come clean and knelt before the sacredness and truth and humility, God, the Redeemer, 
who surely entered his life again and again to restore his soul. And so we are given this beautiful gift in this scripture passage, Psalm 51. Let's listen to it just for a moment. Generous in love, God give grace. Huge in mercy, wipe out my bad record. Scrub away my guilt. Soak out my sins in your laundry. I know how bad I've been. My sins are staring me down. Tune me in to the foot-tapping songs. Let these once broken bones put them to dancing. Don't look too close for blemishes. Give me a clean bill of health. God, make a fresh start in me. Shape a Genesis week from the chaos of my life. Don't throw me out with the trash or fail to breathe holiness in me. Bring me back from gray exile. Put a fresh wind in my sails. That's a translation from the message by Eugene Peterson. And with those words, and by David being willing to take the shell off and expose the soft parts of his soul to God, God the Redeemer began to set David down a path of restoration for his soul. Do you ever remember a time when a scripture passage moved from being a passage about some other place and character and time and moved instead into being the living word of God, moved into being a word spoken to you, to your soul? The first year I led a disciple Bible study, there was a young woman uh, in her 30s in our class, and we were reading this scripture passage, Psalm 51 out loud. We're trying to listen to it in a way that it might speak to us. Suddenly this woman, her name was Diane, started crying. And she shared how this passage was totally speaking to her for the first time. She felt like these were suddenly her words, not David's. And God was speaking to her through these words. And she shared how she had recently gone through a divorce, how she had made so many mistakes in her marriage, how she felt so alone and so far from God, and that much of the reason for that was because of her mistakes. She was owning them. I had never heard such an honest sharing of the truth in my life. And as we all gathered around her and listened empathetically through her tears, we've got to listen through the tears, as we listened with love and respect, held her with empathy, we watched and witnessed in the coming weeks a soul repair shop at work. As she shared, so many of us began to feel brave enough and safe enough to share the room from which we were all looking out from. We indeed were on sacred ground. We indeed were a part of the sacred ground. We indeed were in the presence of the redeeming work of God. We indeed were a part of the redeeming work of God. We indeed had heard the Bible become not an old, old story, but instead turn into the living and redemptive work of God. We were in the midst of a soul repair shop. This week, I went to a workshop on mental health that our conference had invited me to go to. It was a national, international event on Zoom, and it was about the pandemic and how we're getting out of it now. And our conference 
um, sent me because they were hoping that I could help maybe clergy and laity understand the mental health issues that are involved right now in coming out of this. It was a great workshop. It was led by Chris White, a British medic whose expertise is in dealing with people in crisis moments. He is often brought into hostage situations where a police team might be working with someone who might jump from a building or shoot hostages. His job is to talk them off the ledge. And I have to say the workshop was incredibly helpful to me because it was really a workshop about healing. And one of the things he told me was, hey, we're not machines. You can't just fix us. We aren't healed in the same way machines are, but we can be healed. And the number one helping moment is to be able to be heard, for someone to listen to us empathetically with love in their heart. He said one of the first orders we try to do as as therapists, as people who want to listen, as pastors, is want to gain the trust of the person that we're working with so they can trust us enough to invite us into the room in which they look at the world from. Each of us comes and looks at the world from a different room. And if we can get someone to invite us into that sacred place, that room, and begin to see how they're looking at the world through that room, if we can do that, we have a chance for healing to come made me think about worship. It made me think about our church. It made me think about me as a pastor. It made me think about me as a friend. In order for the gospel to work, I've got to invite God into my room. A lot of times I keep God away, the sacred, or my friends away. But if I can let them enter my room and see the way in which I see the world, healing can happen. New life can begin. Think about it. Are you open when you come to worship? When you're listening to this sermon, are you open to where God might be leading you? Or your arms folded across your chest refuse to listen? I hope and pray, Bear Creek, that we can be a place where healing can happen. And it just doesn't come from my side, the sermon, or from God's side, the message, the scriptures. It comes from you too. Can you be open enough to being moved? Can you let someone else into your room? Can I? And all the people said, Amen.